Santos's kick is lined up. That kick is good. He got it. Play action fake. Rolling left. Now he throws for the near side. Caught touchdown. Kansas City and Albert Wilson with the touchdown reception sneaking out of the backfield in that inverted wishbone triangle. The Chiefs march right down the field and take the lead. How's it going, Chiefs Kingdom? Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Our Heads Abroad podcast, the official Kansas City Chiefs podcast for the UK and Ireland. Don't forget, you can download the show on both SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for Our Heads Abroad. I'm your host, Brad Simcox, otherwise known as the Brit Chief on YouTube. And joining me as usual is Tom Charles and Dave Barnett. Before we get started, thanks to everyone for sending in their questions this week. We thought we'd tie them all in together for the main discussion. But remember, if you want to get involved and ask a question for Tom, Dave and I for the future podcasts, then visit the Facebook page or go to the Twitter feed, at KCChiefs underscore UK and follow the questions thread. So the Chiefs crash out of the playoffs at Arrowhead. In this podcast, we'll aim to dissect the game and analyse what went wrong. So, Dr. Charles and Dr. Barnett, are you ready? Definitely no. not. No. no. Definitely no, not. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Can, we, um, can we just pretend it never happened, please? I like it. <laughs> right, cut. I was so, sh- I, I was so sure this was our year, you know. <laughs> I did. I, I was so sure this was our year. Um, I don't know what it was. I think it was this kind of element of destiny that I thought. You know, when we were just like clawing out games, winning games out of nothing. I thought we're going all the way. Here. It's just, it's just in our way. It is your destiny. You know that kind of thing. It, to me, it seemed like our season was setting out to be like the most perfect America's game. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was about to say. Like, could you imagine mm. the America's game? For if we'd have won the Super Bowl this year, you'd have just been like, <laughs> "How could all this possibly happen in one season? This is ridiculous." But unfortunately, I, I, I think it's because we had so many good things happen. Yeah, you know, like so many good memories of of of, of all these different players, like you know, like the Hungry Pig, the the Bloated T Ball, and all yeah, that jazz. The Barry going back to Atlanta. Um, yeah, yeah, Tyree Kill, the big rookie sensation. So, yeah, there were so many little pieces to the storyline. It was just. Yeah, just seemed like it was all there for it to happen, but yeah, yeah. not to and be. That's that's what I want to like stress before we go into this. Like we are, there is going to be some negativity on this podcast. Um, there's, there always will be after a defeat like Sundays, but at the same time, us three here, we're not forgetting what a great season it was as well, and there, we will look at the positives of it a bit later on. But first and foremost, we have to look at that Steelers defeat. And I think it would, yeah. I, I think would be it would be unfair not to look at that first. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing is the way you have to look at it is that just because you've had a, a good season doesn't mean you can't get better. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like you can't just look and go, oh well, we finished twelve and four this year. You know, we've made the playoffs three times in the last four years. We're doing really well. That's it's like <laughs> you know, yeah. that, what's the point at the end of the day? Like every team is in it to win the Super Bowl. That That is the only reason these teams play football, is to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter if you make the playoffs 10 straight years. If you never win the Super Bowl, no one's ever going to remember you. Dave, can you do me a favour, please? 
Yeah. Can you can you march yourself down to the Emirates and have a word with Wenger? Uh, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, <laughs> please, Arson. <laughs> please, Arson. Can you just go? No one remembers. Just a third place, place maybe. Just <laughs> yeah. a third place, honestly. Um, well, let's get let's get straight into the game. Basically, um, I've got a few things that I want to talk about. I know you guys have as well. Um, for me, the first thing for me was the play calling from Andy Reid. Um, I I thought during that game in particular it was too transparent and the 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 Steelers were just reading it um, and they they just seemed to I don't know it just seemed to stifle us didn't it? Well, we had the the usual perfect scripted first drive that we oh, always seem yeah. to put together and Andy Reid puts together so well that picturesque first drive where you know you've got a few little wrinkles you've got the Tyreek Hill sort of sweet play that then sets up the touchdown later in the drive. It just like, you know, you see that first drive and you just think, holy crap, we we might actually do this. And then yeah. to see what the offense produced after that is just so disappointing considering how like dominant we looked on that first drive. Yeah. Do you think, yeah. do you think the teams don't script their second and third drive? Like, of course they do script their first. It's fairly obvious. Like the Chiefs do it quite a lot. Why don't teams do it more often for further further in the game? Like I know the adjustments are made. They normally script a set number of plays. It's not specifically a drive, so it normally be something like the first fifteen plays will be scripted. The thing is, you don't want to script any further than that because any good defensive coach is going to make adjustments at that point. So you know your script is thrown out the window. You have plays based on what you've seen on the film that you think. Yeah, this will be a good play to run in this situation. You know, Andy Reid, you've seen his play sheet. It's massive. And he'll have listed on his play sheet specific downs and distances and what plays he wants to run in those downs and distances based on what he's seen on film against the Steelers from other teams that have run successfully. And even the first game we had against the Steelers plays that he thought we ran successfully against them. And you say he'll just mark those off during the game based on what seem to work what didn't work and he'll keep adjusting based off that but yeah it's normally the first 15 plays after that it's uh based on a sort of situational kind of play calling well is it not possible that i, I i'm not a coach so i'm i'm not completely clued up but maybe you might be able to shed some light is it not possible for a team to go for chiefs for example to start out in a, a vanilla sort of offense and then hit them with the the, the more imaginative uh, scripted drive let or plays later on, but like set almost set the opposite opponent's defense up with that, and then hit them with the special stuff later, as opposed to starting out, so starting out with it. I, I don't know if that's feasible. I would guess at that. I would guess at that though that you'd script something out that would try and pick out a weakness in the in the in the opposing team's defense, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're you're trying to see how they react to certain plays, so. Yeah, he will have those first 15 scripted plays or however many it is. It might be slightly more, slightly less. Um, But he will have those plays. And as I say, he'll be marking those plays off, those scripted plays and going, okay, I like that. I didn't like that. That kind of thing. You know, it's not necessarily... It's also as well. Yeah, it's also trying to work out uh, blitzes as well, isn't it? I mean, um, you'll try something that'll probably try and get a blitz out of a team. Just, Just... 
just to show the hand, basically, won't you? Anything like that. Coverages, you know, how they react to a guy coming across in motion. You know, like you see we did with the Tyreek Hill quite a lot. You know, it's all those little things. You're just seeing how the defense reacts to that stuff. So that, as I say, then you can work whatever plays you want into later in the game. Yeah. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, this is my key issue with this, with this uh, this transparent kind of offense that we had there. This spreading the play thing that, that, that Reed seems to like, like to do at the minute. Um, for me, it's not working out the, the other team's um, defense, its weaknesses. Um, Whereas on the flip side, you had Steelers where they thought, hang on a minute, the running game's doing really well here against this, de- against this Chiefs defence. Just keep doing it. Where Reed doesn't do that. He'll carry on doing, check that off, check this off, check that off. Um, you know, checking different players off to try and work out what's, you know, what the other team's going to do next. Yeah, but, but I, I say, I think you're doing a bit of a disservice to Reed there. You know, he's been around an awful long time in this league now. So, you know, yeah, sometimes he can get a little bit lost in his own head. I don't doubt that for a second. Sometimes you are just like, come on, Andy, what are you doing? But I don't think, I genuinely don't think Sunday was one of those games. I I never, like, there was a couple of situations I was like, yeah, wasn't enamored with the play call, but it wasn't like certain games I've had in the past with Andy where I've just been like, that was horrible. I, to be honest, I, I just thought we didn't execute well enough on Sunday night. I didn't, I didn't have really too much of a problem with the play calling. It's more just the execution was the the main issue Sunday. Yeah. One observation I had, you might disagree. I, I thought that the Chiefs maybe forced the ball into Tyreek a little bit too much. Um, I think they realised that the, the Tyreek is maybe the X factor on the Chiefs' offense, and obviously the Steelers realise that I think they were maybe forcing it and making plays well not making plays calling plays to give Tyreek the ball necessarily not necessarily when that was the correct option or situation I don't know if you guys agree or not on that one I think sometimes you're not going to find out that it's the not the right option until you try it though I mean I don't think he I, I can't remember off the top of my head but I don't think he had a an excessive amount of targets or anything like that. It seemed to be like his sort of his usual uh, usage, and he was gen generally seemed to be used more of a decoy on Sunday than than anything else. So it didn't seem like that to me. No, I mean I know the um, I know the Steelers did. Did they put a lot of starters on for the um, for the like the kickoffs and the punt returns and the, for like special teams yeah. just to try and nullify? Uh, to be honest, the, uh, I think it was just poor, again poor execution from us. Like that's the sloppy, sloppiest we've looked on special teams all year, hands down. Four years in four years. Yeah, honest. probably. Yeah, um, I say I we just we didn't. I, I don't remember us getting a return past the twenty yard line. I think he got to the thirty once, didn't he? I think he got to the Poss- thirty once, and that well, was, that no, was we had the the Harris the first return that they squibbed, so it didn't go to yeah. Hill. That's I'm pretty sure the only one we got any decent return yardage on. Um, yeah. And yeah, as I say, usually we have the advantage of like we're normally one of the best teams in the NFL for starting field position, and obviously that didn't happen on Sunday either. Uh, as I say, I think mainly just from pure poor execution. The, mm. And the whole field position conversation with special teams that I, I, we're going to go into a little bit more on the positive sides, but that's where the bend don't break defense helps. That's where we can take field goals because our special teams will 
nine times out of ten set us up with good field position so losing territory isn't such a big thing to the Chiefs we'd sooner only give up three points mm. yeah well yeah I mean this is it I mean the, the bend or break philosophy was I thought that was working fine as a, as a positive that was you know to hold the Steelers back and not get and not let them give a, uh, get a, a touchdown was was a massive plus but it's just our offense just didn't step up, did it? Yeah, it's one of those frustrating things to watch at times because, you know, sometimes you do wish the defense was a little stouter. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I just don't see how you can put the blame on the defense for this loss. You hold this Steelers team to 18 points. Hmm. That is a good showing from a defense, especially with the, the full Steelers. strength as well, with the killer bees there and all that. Exactly, yeah, you know, they're just they've got such a high-powered offense. Yes, I know we gave up yards, but I mean we have all year, and you know, but inside the red zone we are really stout and we don't give up touchdowns. And yeah, as I say, if you hold the Steelers to eighteen points, you have to feel pretty pretty good about yourselves as as a unit, and you've got to think you're in with a pretty good shout of winning a game. I don't know how you guys felt, but if you told me on Sunday morning, right, the Steelers are going to score 18 points, only 18 points, will you take I'll that? I'll take it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I had a bit of a hand off. I was just hoping it wasn't going to be a repeat of uh, September. Yeah, well, exactly. They put 43 points past us on in September. And that was with we, slowing we down in the, the second half as well. Exactly. So well, we had 22 points against us in the first quarter, didn't he, in the last one? So to have it at 18 points all games was brilliant. Yeah, and like you see, I know going back to the whole yards things, you, get, you we do give up a lot of yards. You get teams that don't give up a lot of yards, like the Houston Texans, for example. The Houston Texans, they give up the least amount of yards in the league. But they, but they also, don't generate turnovers. They don't generate turnovers, and they give up more points than the Chiefs. Yeah. I am very much... Uh, when, it, when looking at a defence, this is why I always say that the Chiefs defence is a great defence. My first things I look at is turnovers and points. Yards, third or fourth. And so I don't get this whole point where people are saying, oh, the run defence was rubbish on Sunday. Oh, we needed Jay Howard back. We needed uh, Derek Johnson. Yes, it would have been lovely to have those players there. It would have been awesome. It, we probably would have won the game had they been there. But at the same time, the defence that was on the field only allowed 18 points. 18 points mm. should yeah. have been enough or a, a, an amount achievable for the Chiefs to exceed. It very nearly was, though. That's a thing, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, you'd hope it would be enough. <laughs> As I said before, you'd hope it would be enough. Yes, I'd, we we do need to get stouter against the run. You You can't, I don't think, afford to give up that many yards on the ground. But at the same time, I, I'd much have a... A def- rather have a defense that, you know, generates turnovers, scores points off those tur- turnovers. You know, how many how many turnovers this year have we had in the red zone and things like that? It's, it's massive, yeah. massive for this defense. And I know some people will say it's a fluky stat, but I I don't think it is with this defense. You've got guys that are ball hawks, guys that have a nose for the football. You know, Marcus Peters and Eric Berry, just to name a couple. You know, those are guys that are always looking for the football. Yeah, there is some element of luck to it, but I don't think it is, you know, pure luck because I think that the defense is designed to play that way. And it happens too much. If if it keeps occurring, it, you can't say it's luck. Once, maybe twice, 
yeah, well, four seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But over four seasons to continue uh, continually generate turnovers like this defense does under Bob Sutton. No, it's not fluke. Like, like you said, ball hawks, isn't it? That's the thing. That seems to be the key that was that's helped us throughout the whole season. Yeah, for sure, definitely. The other thing I wanted to bring up was the uh, the run game. Uh, I think there was a listener. I think it was last week or the week before. Was it um, actually sent in a question saying that uh, it was it was fading away, and it it did, didn't it? And even in this even in this game, it was like a dying swan towards the back end of the season. Yeah. Um, yes. Since what week? Seven week basically eight, since where uh, where got that concussion I think yeah yeah pretty much never been right since has he's he? not been the same he's not hit he's not hit the um the line of scrimmage as as hard as he could I don't think the O line's been particularly great I think losing Erginger is it Erginger I, I, how do you say Einger 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 oh god Enger. I'm gonna get really annoyed <laughs> if I can't remember this now. Had someone had someone explain how it was pronounced to me really? earlier this season because I was <laughs> we know what you mean. <laughs> I was pronouncing it horribly wrong apparently. And, but, yeah. Is it not anger or something? Like yeah, that? I think it is anger or something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just expecting you in ten minutes to just go anger. What? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll probably look it up on YouTube or something yeah. and find out. Well, yeah. Since anger went out and Spencer Ware's concussion, the the run game just hasn't looked the same, which is testament to the rookie guard himself. Fulton doesn't seem to do it in the run game. I think, uh, yeah, he, he just gets out in space that much better than uh, Fulton does. Um, you know, you can run those pulls and stuff like that and get him out and, and lead blocking a lot better than you kind of guy like Fulton, who's more of a big-bodied kind of guy. And, yeah, it, it sort of limits what you can do with the with the guy at guard to an extent. Mm. But it seems, at the same time, you've got Travis Kelsey, who all of a sudden has become a very, very good blocker. It was maybe one of his question marks earlier in the year, but we've seen it three or four times over the last month or so where he's set up big runs with blocking. So at the same time, mm. we've lost one asset in the run game in Einger, and we've gained, but we've gained one in Travis Kelsey. But for some strange reason, it's it's just not working. It hasn't been working for the last eight or nine weeks. No. No, well, this is the thing that I was on about before. The, the, with the... Um... With the Steelers really, really running the ball all the time with 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 Levy on Bell, I mean um, I've got a stat here. Apparently, the rushing attempts that we had on, uh, on on our players on our rushing was fourteen. We had fourteen attempts at rushing compared to the Steelers' thirty-four. Now that 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 speaks a lot, doesn't it? That you haven't got that element to use as much as you'd like. I mean. I think the score Chuck possibly West. played into it a little bit in the second well, half, yeah. maybe. I know it wasn't like any at any point completely out of our range, but you know you kind but of. This is what I mean about exploiting the weaknesses, um, and, and not and not just going through like a spreading the ball about offense kind of thing. It, it's it's finding a weakness and then settling on that and going, it's working. Just keep driving it down them. But you can run the ball if you're the Steelers and you're picking up six seven yards on first down, you, on mm. on the ground. You can run the ball on second down. If you're yeah. if you're the Chiefs and you're getting stuffed for a loss for one or two yards or even just maybe just gaining one, then that closes the playbook slightly. The the Steelers were in a fortunate position because they were setting themselves up so well with first down because because of their O line and Le'Veon Bell that they could continue yeah. to run the ball. If it's not going to work first down, they're nine times out of ten they're not going to go to it in a second or third down either. Yeah, the the no. problem is we we didn't really seem to be in many, you know, second and third and short situations. Like Tom mm. said, because of not 
really getting the yardage we needed on first down. And to be honest, not that that would have mattered because we've been pretty poor at running a ball on third and short this year anyway. Um, so, yeah, I say, this, I don't think you can put it on any one thing. I think there's a combination of things that have just, you know, combined to, yeah, you know, drag down the running game a little bit. Um, obviously, where West, they're, they're not Jamal Charles. Losing Charles is... It's, you know, he's impossible to replace. Um, I was going to say, where do you find another Charles? That's I mean, you thing. don't. That's the thing. You know, he's the NFL's all-time yards per carry leader. You know, that just shows how good he is. You know, a guy mm-hmm. averages 5.5 yards a carry. That's ridiculous. It doesn't happen very often. You know, even anything over five yards a carry, and you're delighted. So yeah. for him to be at that level for so long as well, because, I mean, he's been around, what, now for eight, nine years, is it? Mm. 2008, wasn't he drafted? Is he it? Drafted? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, it was never just one one or two big seasons. He was consistently that good for so many years. To lose such a big part of your offense hurts because you also had him in the receiving game as well. So you had that threat. You could never, You could never stack the box with him quite as much um because there was always that threat of him as a receiver um but i also think that's kind of weird about where because we seem to be using him as a receiver out of the backfield a lot more earlier in the season and that's something we seem to have got away from i say and that's probably one of the things i would put on reed is you know where was doing really well as a receiver out of the backfield earlier in the season so that seems like a bit of a strange thing to have got away from because that thing I think that helps the run game, knowing that those guys have got to be wary that he can be catching the ball out of the backfield. You know, you can't just stack the box and come up for a guy like Ware. Um, I think that kind of covers the run game element of it. But the the other thing I wanted to bring up was um, there's quite a few fans blaming the drop catches. I know there was some, wasn't there? Um, but a lot of them basically saying that the, the, the receivers weren't doing weren't doing the job, basically. Is that a justified thing? I mean, there's because just, there was what there was two sort of big drops I can think of off the top of my head. Well, Kelsey had a big one. Kelsey and Wilson—they're the two that had big yeah. drops on third down. I can't really think of unless I'm forgetting some. No, you had you had the West fumble at the end. The weirdest fumble I've ever seen, by the way. Uh, I mean, it didn't come back to haunt us, though, at least. Um, (laughs) They didn't um, score any points off it, fortunately, so it didn't matter in the end. But, um, yeah, so, as I say, there was two... Am I missing any? No, I just think think in the the nature of the game, especially the Kelsey drop, the Kelsey drop was huge. Um, Okay, the ball was probably slightly underthrown, but... Travis Kelsey is an elite tight end. He yeah, you still have to make that catch. catch. Yeah, he has to make. Wasn't, I'm trying to rack my brains on that. Was it was was he under triple coverage there though? He, he was, was open. He, he was, was open. he was. They had a, he had a linebacker on him under, but obviously he'd got a step on him. There was a safety over the top, but yeah. there was enough space in between that I say he he had space to catch it. Um, you, you would expect him to make that catch. Yeah, it, as I say, yeah. as Tom said, it, it was a tiny bit underthrown. Like you had to come back for the ball a little bit, but you expect a guy like Kelsey to make that catch. 
And obviously yeah. that led to, he was obviously frustrated by it because then two plays later, he does arguably the most stupid thing he's done since he threw a flag at a referee. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, he didn't come back to haunt us because we converted on that third, big third down anyway. But Yeah, for, but nonetheless, it doesn't make it any less stupid. Uh, it doesn't, but if it had been in a key, key situation and we'd been pushed out of field goal range or lost out on getting a touchdown or something because of it, yeah, I'd probably a bit, be a bit more pissed off about it. It's a stupid mm. thing to do, and he needs to cut that shit out. I don't disagree. But our, our first swear word on the Arrowheads of Broad podcast. Oh, yeah, is it? Yeah, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Sorry, we, kids. We, we, um, <laughs> we keep that one in, just that one. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Um, we might beep that one. <laughs> hey, come on now. Um, but, yeah, as I say, like, I, I, I just find it hard to get mad at a guy like Kelsey because you can just see he cares, man. Yeah, it's stupid. And obviously his comments after the game, it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's, there's that hot-headed element to it. But you can also see that he just cares. He wants to win. This is he hates why, to lose. Yeah, but this is why I don't like it when they, they shove a mic in a player's face literally 10, 15 minutes after losing probably one of the biggest games. Yeah, but you don't. Do you know what I mean? You don't, you don't it, want it, to listen to a reasonable guy. Oh, you see, I'd rather listen to that. <laughs> like, you see, I, you see, watching that for me, watching that for me is so much more interesting than watch, you know, guys regurgitate <laughs> the same old cliched lines time after time yeah. after time. And I mean, but from the a... thing is, say what you want about Kelsey's comments. Smith and Reed <laughs> basically said the same thing in less, you know, I guess aggressive terms. terms yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. more politically correct but basically yeah. said exactly the same thing as kelsey so it's not he's a, not as if he's alone in his comments yeah but um i mean justin houston had a few words to say to him on the sidelines didn't he during the game yeah we, yeah he did <laughs> now that's Which, passion yeah see you've got dave's side of the not an argument debate which is great and i completely agree and then the other side which you could class as maybe not leadership but certainly passion which we all want to see and then you've got the other side of it where you've got justin houston who showed complete leadership by letting kelsey know what he thought of it and showing him that it wasn't necessarily a team attitude that he had there in, in that moment and that's mm-hmm. what you want to see from your veteran players so i i like i like i like kelsey showing the passion at the same time i like justin houston kicking his ass as it were to Ooh, beep. Yeah, beep. <laughs> I, like, I like the fact that justin houston kicked his ass and let him know what he'd done wrong. Yeah, I yeah. say that is probably a better way to put it is like, I hate the stupid penalties and I hate some of the stupid things that he does occasionally, but I can forgive him at times. And it's like, yeah, he does need to get called out on that stuff. And, you know, guys like Houston doing that will hopefully get that message across to him that it's not okay to do those things in certain situations. It's the same with Berry and Peters earlier this season. You know, you could see after a couple of times, you know, when Peters punted the ball into the, you know, the stand, got flagged for it. It was like, you could see Berry talking to Peters on the sideline and, you know, sort of talking to him about those sort of things. And look at Peters the rest of this year. You know, it's so huge to have guys like that that are such a big influence. But my problem is that we don't seem to have that guy on offense. Like, there's not that you know, there's no leader on offense to do the same. You look on the defense and you go, there's Berry, there's Johnson, there's Houston, there's Harley. All those guys, yeah. they, they look, 
you know, you look at them as leaders. Look at the offense. Who's there that you go a leader? You never you know get I mean? the um, the videos, you know, after the game when they show like the locker room stuff. Yeah. With the the breakdown, it never seems to be an offensive player that does the breakdown. It's yeah, it's all, a good point. It's though. always the defensive players. It, like m- most of the time, it's Eric Berry. Most of the time, but it's that's not every time. But you never see a, a, an offensive player. Um, You'd think Macklin would be like that, though, wouldn't you? I mean, it, it, I mean, during the during the off season, he was he was you know rallying around the, the receivers and and getting them in into the gym and stuff like that, getting getting them all prepared for the season, wasn't he? But you don't really kind of see that leadership on the field, do you, with Macklin? No, well, no he's a... not a vocal leader. He's more of a sort of you know he'll talk to guys and but during the game he just sort of keep himself to himself and sort of keep relaxed on the sideline. I'm okay with that. Do you reckon that could be partly down to? the age of the offence. Um, if you look at it across the board, really, in terms of experience, you're looking at Mitchell Schwartz, Alex Smith, and Jeremy Macklin. All the other guys are three to four year players or, or younger. Do you think it could be down to an experience or lack of? That's why there's not so many leaders on, on the offence. I mean, it could play into it to an extent, but I mean... You know, age should come into it. If if you're a if you're a leader, you're a leader. You know, I think Berry's always been that way. And um, outside of the probably Johnson's very first couple of years, um, when he was sort of in and out of the team, he's very much been a a, a vocal leader. But yeah, you you would expect a guy like Smith to, you know, sort of be that guy. And yeah, you just you just don't seem to get it with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he is capable of it. We've seen it once or twice so far this season. Like I go go all the way back to week one. Like let's be honest. Okay, he didn't first three quarters. He wasn't. He didn't play very well. But the whole team played poorly. But he put the team on his back, and it's probably the only time he's done it outside of the Denver game in the fourth quarter that he's put the team on his back and and led them. Maybe um, he needs to take responsibility a little bit more. Um, going forward I'd love to see that yeah I mean that's what you want from your vets uh, those are the guys that the younger players look up to so you, you know you want to see that from your vets um, mm. but yeah I, I don't know the situation behind the locker room so I, I can't say what goes on behind the scenes all the time but yeah it does does seem a bit strange that we don't have that that vocal leader on offense yeah we'll get on to Smith in a minute, but um, one thing I just wanted to bring up was the, the obviously the hold call involving Fisher. Um, that was that was obviously the the game changing, well season ending moment, wasn't it really? Um, where we we went for the two points. Uh, there was a holding call on there, which <sighs> was it harsh or was it in your mind was it was it that harsh to actually call it right there and then? No, if I'm being honest. I, I think it was holding. If, if you look at it as an individual play, and if you just get a video, a tape, of, you're going to watch one player as a ref. You see it, you see... Um, what's his name? The edge rusher, James Harrison. James, see James Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. You see James Harrison go around the edge, and you see Fisher do what he do. You go, yeah, 100% for a flag, it's hold. Yeah. But at the same time, in the context of the game, and... The lack of calls, holding calls, especially throughout the rest of the sixty minutes, 
it did seem a bit not unfair, but not. It was probably not, forced, wasn't it? In, yeah, in a way, because so. because he was out on his own. He was out on his own with Harrison there, wasn't he? And if it was in amongst a group of players, he probably he probably would have let that go. Yeah, you see, I I agree to Tom with that extent. I don't I don't like that in the context of the game argument. It shouldn't matter what the context of the game is. Like mm. holding's holding, holding's yeah. holding. Yeah. yeah. My problem is is that this stuff is not called consistently enough. Holding happens on pretty much every single play. And that is the problem. It becomes such a judgment call that in these situations, when it does get called, it gets blown up as as a much bigger thing than it should be because you see so many of these things let go during a game. It's like, well, what made you call it in this situation but not call it earlier in the game when the same thing happened? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably what the frustrating thing was from... Kelsey and everyone wasn't it that you know they, they've obviously seen that on the field right the way throughout the game I, I mean the how Le'Veon Bell can get through the these these gaps in the you know in the scrimmage line um I could see quite a few holes there that weren't actually flagged oh but there's one um, one great picture particularly where uh, I think it's the one? right tackle has literally got like D Ford in a bear hug or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's hugging it's him. Like, isn't he? It it's like so obviously a hold, and it's towards <laughs> the play. So it's like you can't even use the argument of if it's not affecting the play because it quite clearly is. But yeah, it's, as I say, that just goes back to the whole consistency thing, doesn't it? Yeah, but yeah, I think I think the the refs obviously they obviously had to call that because he was they were literally both of them were out on the run, weren't they? On on the edge. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's you're and so much they, more aware of it in a situation like that, for yeah. sure. Um, I seriously think if, if if there was more players around, I don't think they would have called that. And I think uh, I think we'd be sat there now, wouldn't we? It's just one of those situations game. like you hate not getting that call if it's for your team, but you, you really don't want it called against you. So, yeah, hmm. I, can, I can see both sides of it. It's like... It's tough. It was probably the right call. But yeah, I, ju- I would just love to see more consistency on that. But the problem is then, are you going to be having games that are broken up so much? Because obviously, as you see so much, there are so many holds on every play. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll go on to the next thing. Um, I know we touched on it briefly about Alex Smith. It's it's divided opinion, isn't it, in uh, <laughs> with the fans? Yeah. Uh, I think I'll. That's, that's I think we'll. we'll that's my political stance on it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It has divided opinion because a lot of people still believe that Smith's the man who who can lead this team. There's there's others out there um, that believe that we can possibly do better. Um, Dave, do you want to put your? Uh, um, put your did you want to go to Tom first? <laughs> Yeah, let's go to Tom first. Yeah, because um, I think Tom's will be uh, Tom's will be a nice little kind of smooth kind of political. Transition, well, you yeah. know, the both sides of the argument kind of thing. Um, before we get into the bull in the china shop. So Tom, Alex Smith. Right. Well, I mean, go on. I mean, the the the, the whole Alex Smith argument. I'm I was always the kind of fan who was going, no, he's my QB. Um, I like the guy. Um, I like how he managed the game and things like that. But 
for me, the <coughs> disappointment for this Steelers game, um, it just seemed as though it was like a wake-up call for me. I don't know about you. Right, this is where I stand. I, I don't personally think Alex Smith will win us the Super Bowl. Um, but I think that's been fairly obvious since day one. Uh, I don't. You can't put him in the same bracket as a Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, or at least Super Bowl participating quarterbacks over the last few years. Well, maybe Manning of last year because Manning was poor, but that's we cast that aside. But at the same time, I don't want to lose Alex Smith either. Um, I am happy, more than happy, to keep Alex Smith for one more year. He's got one more year on his deal. That we two more, two year, but one more where we. Should keep him because of cap, and then cut him after because it makes it easier to to cut him the year after. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll question you on that. Is we can actually designate him as a post June first cut and split the the dead money over two years, so it would only cost three point six million against the cap this year if we wanted to. That's okay, if we wanted to. I don't think the team want to. I think they want to keep him. I personally want to keep him. I, I will want one more year of Alex Smith. I want us to draft a quarterback. Um, I don't want cast off cast off from any other team. I think the Chiefs have done it for far too long now. Um, and I think the the team is limited by Alex Smith. I don't don't get me wrong. I think it is. I think we do very well with him in it. Um, but I don't think we can win a Super Bowl. With him in the team. I'm trying to make. I I'm finding this really tough because I, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't want to beat the guy up because he has done really well for us the last four years, and I appreciate everything. But at the same time, I don't want to go on the other side of the spectrum and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's the best quarterback we're ever going to get. We we can't do any better because we can do better than Alex Smith." But I want a drafted quarterback to come in in a from a high round and learn redshirt him for a year. And learn from Alex Smith because he does do a lot of things well. There's there's no doubt about that. But he also does so many things so 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 bad. And we for me, for me, it's the it's. I feel as though the team is is matching his inabilities. Um, and what I mean by that is, I think we're setting the players up, um, just literally because. He's he's gonna dump it off, or he can get the, that little bit of yardage each time. We've seen it a few times at the minute where he's he he has thrown long. Um, I mean the the, the Tyreek Hill one that um, you know I, I remember where Hill caught it with one hand. Was that against um, the Saints? The Saints. The Saints. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, so the, there's there is flashes there from Alex Smith that he can he can go along but you only see it probably once maybe twice in a game um, and the rest of the time it is spreading it out it is screen passes it is dumping it off in front you know just over the over the scrimmage line that kind of thing and I, I, I can't help thinking it's it's where weakened by his inabilities to keep going and, and seeing these long passes do you know what there was one play on Sunday when I thought for the first time that the the players themselves don't believe in in Alex, and it was it was the throw that Alex missed to Jeremy Macklin, where Macklin had mm. beaten his guy down the sideline, and um, I can feel Dave waiting to jump in. And, and <laughs> Jeremy, hey, Mac- hey, yeah. well, I've not, not said anything yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> Jeremy Macklin beat his guy down the sideline, and 
Alex Smith underthrew him and threw to his wrong shoulder and Macklin mm. couldn't adjust quick enough where it had Alex just laid the ball out in front of Macklin then it was a touchdown it do you was... want to know the, the worst thing about that I've What's heard that? people try and defend him over that it's like people are trying to people are trying to blame Macklin for that and say oh a number one receiver should be able to adjust to that it's like a number one receiver any receiver should not have to adjust to that like no. that is about as easy a throw as a, an NFL QB has to make. Your receiver has beaten his DB. You literally need to put it out in front of him, and it's an easy touchdown. And we mm-hmm. save however many minutes off the clock that we sh- could have saved at the end of the game, and we're not needing to force a three and out to get the ball back again at the end of the game. I mean, that, that you just can't miss those throws. I know he had a couple of drops, and I know that hurts, but every QB has to deal with drops. What you really judge a QB is how he responds to that stuff and like those big plays in those big situations, does he make them? And for me, Smith doesn't make them enough. Macklin, that Macklin throw was one of them. Another one was the missed throw to Tyreek, where Tyreek runs the seam and it sort of looked, I've seen it from the All-22, and it sort of looks like the Steelers are trying to play like a too high, but the safety that's on Tyreek's side of the field sort of sits down, and mm. when Smith gets to the bottom of his drop, Hill is level with the defender, there or thereabouts, give or take half a yard, and the defender hasn't even turned his hips. So there's literally, at that point in time, when Smith has reached the bottom of his drop, he's got to know Hill is going at full speed and a defender has not even flipped his hips to start to run with him. This is the guy that runs a 4-2-4-40. If a defender has not turned to run with him at that point, there is zero chance, and I mean zero chance, that he's going to be able to recover and make that yards back up. Why Alex Smith did not throw the ball in that situation, I am baffled. It makes no Mm. sense to me. What he does instead is about half a second later, he feels a ghost pressure, rushes out to the right-hand side and loses all ability to make that pass then because he would have to throw 40 yards and across his body downfield. If he'd have just hung in the pocket when there was no pressure, there was a clean pocket to step into and made that throw when he had the opportunity to do, that is a big play and a big touchdown early on. Mm. And all of a sudden we're up. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was seven, was it seven, six at that point? I think. Um, But either way, we've got a second touchdown at that point in the game already. And things are looking a lot, a lot better. Just those two throws are an example of why I don't think Smith is good enough to ever win as a Super Bowl. And it goes back to the point I made earlier. It's like, are you happy enough with just having winning seasons and making the playoffs? Or do you want to win a Super Bowl? I, For me personally, as a fan, I want to see us win a Super Bowl. I don't know about you, you guys. You throw the kitchen sink at it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. you want to throw the you, the, the whole kitchen you know, sink Tom, at something like I'm that, don't you? I'm assuming you're the same. It's like, yeah, you, you play to I win this game, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you want to yeah. see your team win the Super Bowl. What is the, like, mm. it's all 
good and great going to the playoffs and stuff like that. But if you've got no realistic shot at winning, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it just, well, just it. going I mean, there to make up the numbers, it doesn't make any difference. And with Smith at QB, I think that's all we're going to be able to, to do. I mean, just look at his stats from this year. You know, this is his, other than his passing yards, which were up by about, I think, something like 16 on last year. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, literally 16 more yard passing yards. Um, he's thrown Wait, less touchdowns, say, yeah, say thrown more <laughs> interceptions, fumbled the ball more, and also ran with the ball a lot worse. The, his first three years in Kansas City, he's averaged over five yards a carry and never had less mm. than 250 yards rushing. This year, yeah. he's averaged 2.8 yards a carry and only managed 134 yards rushing and probably, what, about 80 yards of that, 90 yards of that came in the last four games. So for the majority of the season, he was just a non-factor as a rusher as well. And when you've got a guy like that that doesn't throw the ball downfield with any regularity, you need to be able to have that threat with his legs. So when that's not there either, he becomes that much worse. You know, he mm -hmm. threw 15 passing touchdowns this year. 15. That All is things. not good for a starting quarterback in today's NFL. Like, you know, that's one touchdown a game. That is not going to be good enough to win you a Super Bowl. And when yeah. you're turning the ball over with more regularity as well, you know, he's had um, 15 turnovers this year, eight interceptions, seven fumbles. So if you include his rushing touchdowns, he's had 20 touchdowns, 15 turnovers. That is not good enough. That is not going to win you a Super Bowl. And no. as I say, I, the counter-argument is, well, you know, you run the risk of being worse with a rookie QB, and it's like, yeah, but I, I'd, I'd rather run that risk of being slightly worse for, you know, a year or two to sort of get that, develop our own QB and try and get a guy. And I don't mean develop a guy like a Brody Croyle or, you, you know, Aaron Murray or Tyler Bray, these guys that are like, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. Those guys pay off like so irregularly that you can't rely on a guy like that to be the cure. We need to look at drafting a guy high and making him our quarterback of the future. We can't keep mm -hmm. relying on like other teams cast offs. And I know people will go, well, I'm sure San Francisco would love to have Alex Smith back. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure, Alex, you know, San Francisco would love to have our third string quarterback. It's not the point. The rest of that team is terrible. Throwing mm, Alex Smith is, back yeah. in San Francisco would not suddenly make that team good You'd again. <laughs> uh, there there are far them, worse problems on San Francisco's team than who is their yeah. quarterback. Um, well, they... Go on. So it's just, yeah, I say, I just think we need to get like this idea out of our head that having a nice regular season but failing in the playoffs is a good season. It's not. It mm -hmm. It's pointless because at the end of the day, you want to win a Super Bowl. So unless we can draft a guy that we can make our quarterback of the future and, you know, look to develop, to become, you know, that, that superstar, 
Like I, I, I think we'll always be stuck in this situation. And you know, mm-hmm. just look at the Raiders with Carr. Yeah, you know, look how bad they were a few years ago. And look where they yeah. were this year. Obviously, the injury is unfortunate, but you know. But with him, they were phenomenal, weren't they? Exactly, and yes, I know we beat them twice this year, but that wasn't mm. purely on the strength of Alex Smith. And if you're comparing the two stats, they're not even comparable. Um, mm. So you know, yes, obviously the team around him is going to have some effect. And I say that that's part of, I think, part of the problem for fans with Smith is that I think if you take this defence away from Smith where are we this season you know what I mean Mm -hmm. how many games have we won off the back of our defence making big plays in key situations and if it wasn't for that do you trust Alex Smith to drag this team over the line I personally don't and I don't think he's good enough to do so the biggest thing for me with with Smith is I hardly ever see him use his wide receivers. I've I've wanted to get a good look at Chris Connolly this season, um, and we used him twice in the fourth quarter, and that was his only two receptions he had all game, and nineteen yards. Oh, I think Connolly's probably the fourth read. Well, no, no yeah. probably not, not even. But the guy catches, I, I, he makes I, plays. I, pers- I personally don't think Alex Smith gets the four reads. I, I, I think he has his first. He gets the two, and then he's out. His first is, I would probably say it's Hill or Macklin, Kelsey, then the, then running back. That, yeah. that that's what I think is. I I personally don't think Smith has more than three reads well, reads in him, and unfortunately, Chris Connolly at the moment on the depth chart is wide receiver number three. Maybe four because Wilson seems to get favoured a lot more. Oh no, um, Conley is far and away ahead yeah, of no, Wilson. Con- yeah, Conley's better. Um, okay, probably a depth chart. He's ahead of him, but in terms of targets and uh, targets, I'd, I'm pretty sure Wilson will be ahead of Con- Conley in terms of targets. I'm going to dispute that, but without any probably... facts, I'm going to dispute that. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're wrong, Tom. Just let it go. Um, <laughs> no, I, I get I get what you mean though, um, but it shouldn't be a situation like that. I mean, you know, it just it just it's so frustrating to watch at times because you look you at imagine? the talent we have on offense, yeah, and you look at the receivers well, the he's thing. got to throw to. It's like how how are we not a better offense? You know, we've but got using the, using the wide receiver twice in the fourth quarter. Where, what was he doing the first three? You know, a lot of people will be blaming Conley for that, but I seriously don't think Smith sees him. And well, I mean, the hill I think the hill a... play proves enough that he he doesn't see them. Although well, I can't yeah, see how he can't in situations like that. That's a that is literally the the you know the dictionary definition of wide open in the NFL. Mm. You are not going to get much more wide open than that. Um, yeah, and you have to be willing to throw into tight windows at times because guys are not always going to be open in the traditional sense. You know, sometimes yeah. you're going to have to throw guys open. It's what you see the well, top, thinking... top QBs do. They will throw their guys open at times. They trust yeah. in their receiver that if they put the ball in a certain spot, they will go up and make a play. And you yeah. almost never see Smith do that. And I know it seems like I'm beating up on Smith here, 
Well, the thing is, I I really like Smith as a guy. He seems like a super nice guy. He seems like he's well liked within the locker room. He see, he does a lot of seemingly good work with Terry outside of the organization. You know, he has that foundation and stuff. And it's like, you know, I don't want to beat up on him too hard, but it's like at the end of the day, you're getting paid to play quarterback. So it doesn't matter, you know, how nice of a guy he is. Like, we're paying you $17 million next year to play quarterback. If you can't do it at a good enough level, why are we doing it? Why? Mm. At the end of the day. Well, thinking thinking about that, um, you know what I was saying there about the, the, the two receptions to Conley? And we were saying he's probably like third, fourth um, sighting on, you know, before Alex. Mm. Alex and then he got him killed. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Also a horrible there. throw, by the way. Or why well, you lead a receiver into the safety like that. Well, remember that. Think of the two receptions for Conley for 19 yards. And if you're thinking about our number one receiver, he had also two receptions for 28 yards. Um, that's not using your wide receivers enough for me. Especially with somebody like Macklin and Conley, I I I, I still think that Conley is a is a really good wide receiver. He catches the balls, um, he, he gets separation. I mean, even in the even in the preseason, I mean, how many times was he he, he was leaving, you know, coverage? Oh, like, I, I mean, there's, there's there's a number of times this year I've seen Macklin getting frustrated with yeah. Smith, visibly frustrated on the field because. He believes that he has been open on plays and, you know, Smith has just not looked in his direction. And, yeah, I just think, I say, like, as a fan base, we just need to not settle for mediocrity and just be like, you know, this is good enough. Because for me, it's not. And I know it it sounds harsh because, yeah, we, we have had four good seasons with Smith as our QB, but I just don't think he can push us over the edge. And yeah. as I say, yeah, you might have to sort of, there's, you, don't, you know, you don't need to cut him this year. There's By all means, if you draft a guy this year and have him sit a year behind Smith, I don't think that's necessarily the worst move because I think Smith is a great guy to learn from because, you know, his his work ethic, his you know him him in the film room i think he'd be a great qb to sit behind just don't necessarily think he's a great qb to be leading a team that's aiming to win a yeah. super bowl and um yeah say it's hard because i say he is a nice guy but as a qb he doesn't do it for me well the uh the, the fans are obviously you know counting the wins will probably argue against us with that because <laughs> it was it's a team 20 sport, plus man, it's not. exactly it it is and and well uh well I, I think we'll leave the alex smith comments there do you think <laughs> sorry I, I needed to get it off my i feel better for that at least i, mean, I, don't, I don't know i i just I don't, i'd like to get you know your guys I just... thoughts on it whether you think do you think i'm being too harsh do you think you know no i mean I, I think I, I personally think we should save this for another show because I, th- I think if we get onto this conversation with you, this could last a while, and we probably will need to have this conversation again around draft time, free agency. I don't think now, whilst we're emotionally, we're all still a little bit emotionally charged from Sunday, that we should go into a, such a big it's, debate about our 
quarterbacks. Yeah, it's it's very. So, I mean, so after any loss, season. you're going to look, at, especially as disappointing as what that one was. You, you're always going to look as a fan. You're going to think, right, why did we lose that? And you know, a lot of the time, I mean, I'm probably fault for this as well because I looked at that game and I thought, where was Alex Smith in all of that? Okay, then let's uh, let's talk about the positives. Um, obviously, it's been a great season, twelve and four, um, sweeping the division, and yeah, it, it, I mean, getting getting to the the divisional playoffs um, was was obviously a big thing, and it was going it was going well then, wasn't it? Um, we we were still quite a little bit concerned about the offense, but we, it was all going very well. So for me, it's been a great season. Um, the defense has dragged us pretty much through this season anyway um what other positives do you think of this season um i think the play of you know a couple of guys that you wouldn't have probably penned at the start of the year um a couple of rookies chris jones tyreek hill they've been big big positives you know anytime you can find big playmakers like that outside of the first round in the draft it's always a plus so yeah, I was really happy to see those guys um, play as well as they did. Obviously, Stevie Nelson, I, you know, he's a big improvement from him this year in that sort of nickel corner spot. Um, Terrence Mitchell, another guy that was sort of uh, yeah. picked up off the street. Which we always seem to find a guy like that every year. This year it was Mitchell, and yeah, he's been a really big plus for us. Um, obviously, the defense, um, Eric Berry, man, just, just pay yeah. Pay that man, please. Like I, he's the heartbeat. I cannot. I, I would just. I can't tell you how much I would hate to see him wearing another team's jersey. So mm. that for me, that has got to be the number one priority this off season. Well, for me, I, I think I think they're going to sign Barry. Um, I'm really not sure about Paul. I don't. I don't know. I think with with Chris with the emergence of Chris Jones. Are we going to keep poor? It depends on whether you believe Jay Howard can play that nose position full mm, time. Yeah. If you think Howard can do that, then maybe. But I I don't know. I have a sneaky suspicion that we're going to find a way to keep both of them. Yeah. Speaking of finding a way, uh, one of the positive for me for this season is being yeah, that was a nice yeah. little segue and how we did it yeah. and winning them that was a nice little segue that you know how you played that in <laughs> again there aren't I I'm getting there um, yeah for, for years and years the Chiefs have been in exciting games like look at the Thursday night football against the Broncos from last year but more often than not we lose those games but this year we got, we were involved in an exciting game against the Broncos the Falcons the Chargers uh, and we come out as winners and that's not something that we're used to we're normally used to being the teams having their heart broken I know we were on Sunday but throughout the season um, this Chiefs team has shown a, a little something a bit of character as using my finger <laughs> words as it were mental strength <laughs> um, and it's it's nice to see us go behind in games or get stuck in a dog the doink was a massive thing wasn't victorious. it the that's, doink. that's my big positive from, the, from this season we discussed it at the top of the show a bit like you know when talking about how good an, an America's game this would have been but like how many highlight plays they've been this year just those plays <laughs> that make you stand up and you just like oh my god that was amazing that's awesome and you just keep watching it over and over again you know like Berry's interception against Carolina or he's picked two against Atlanta you know Hill one of his kick or punt returns those sorts of 
big plays, Kelsey with a big catch every now and again. You know, there's just been so many plays like that this year, and it's been it's been fun to watch. Um, yeah. Which are don't why don't get the boring tag? It annoys the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just another quick positive: the special teams. They've been, I say, probably yeah. Sunday was the worst game they've had all season. Because prior to that, they've been lights out. Whether it be in the return game, in coverage, you know, downfield, you know, stopping guys from returning, you know, field goals. Santos was nearly ninety percent on field goals this year, um, and obviously Colquitt was his usual inside the twenty self. So yeah, just a really good year all around on special teams. Yeah, you're missing one thing though, lad. Oh yeah, go on. AFC West champions. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not been able to say that for a oh, while. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds sweet, doesn't oh, it? it? sounds really sounds good. sweet. Yeah. Um, is there anything else from you guys for the? And uh, I know Tom was on about an awards thing before um, for the podcast. Is that the next podcast? Is it Tom? Yeah, the next podcast we're lined up is the Arrowheads Abroad Awards. First time we're going to do it. The annual. A, a podcast. Normally we. The just annual. Do it the annual awards. Yes, soon to be. You can say that yeah, now, right? Yeah. The annual Our Heads Abroad uh, Awards. Is that yeah, in Chicago, is it? Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, yeah. who's paid for those flights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 we've, got, we've got Neil Patrick Harris on to, to present it. Um, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you've got <laughs> yeah, all the Kansas City, <laughs> like you've got Paul Rod, J- Jason Sudeikis, <laughs> or... You know, um, oh God, Rob Riggle, any Superman. of those guys you could have gone with. Superman's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, the awards we'll be looking at offensive, defensive, rookie of the year, MVP, um, player of the year, moment of the year. But if you check out the website um, in the coming days, the, the, the poll or the questionnaire will, will be on the website. And then we get we gather that information over the weekend and we'll announce all of the award winners live on the show or maybe not live but on the show Excellent. for sure don't forget uh, next week Chiefs versus Packers don't forget just it's going back to questions actually let's actually go back I know we said we weren't oh, going to yeah. do any questions Jeez. this week but I do think we got quite a uh, quite a good question from a uh, Packers fan no less did we not Bradley oh yes yes we did actually uh, let me just find it quickly it was um, from a guy called Richard Biddle um, it was a Packers fan, and he says, uh, "Has having a baby made Tom Childs soft, or will he still bully me at Fanball Three? <laughs> Hi, Rich. Is, Sorry, mate. Has fatherhood made you yeah, soft you're, then, you're Tom? Was it? It. <laughs> it was always soft anyway. Don't worry about no, it. no, no chance. <laughs> made me more of a man. Show your um, boy how it's done. That's what you need. Sorry, Rich. Um, yeah. Speaking of yeah, speaking of that, um, and all seriously, get yourself down to um, Regent's Park on Super Bowl Sunday. It's a it's a good laugh. You've been they banned. It last year, <laughs> and, um, he's played in such good yeah, <laughs> such good spirit. He's played in. Um, all you need to bring is water, some suitable footwear because it does get a little bit muddy. Um, wear a Chiefs top if you want to. If you don't want to ruin it, just wear a red shirt and just come along and play flag football complete non-contact but we want to win it is a good laugh it's yeah I was going to say we tied the last two years so this year we're, gonna this year we're finally going to get that win beat the Packers yeah <laughs> well thanks so much for your time today lads um, it, obviously the Chiefs are out now uh, obviously I don't want to end it on, uh, on on such a bad note like that but whatever you're doing for the for the next 
playoff game, the it's, it's the championship games now, isn't it? The AFC Western, uh, AFC, AFC West? and the yeah. NFC games. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, we've already won that one. Um, <laughs> Nobody can take that away from us. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, thanks very much for, for listening. And what, like I said, whatever you're doing, uh, enjoy yourself. And we'll speak to you next week. Thanks for a lot. Well, you could actually you could have joining started. me as usual this week, seeing as it's always us two. You told me not to do that last time. Yeah, because that was the as first usual. episode. There was no as usual because it would... <laughs> It never happened before. It's like, hey guys, we've got these two guys that are always here. What do you mean, are always here? You've only this They're is your first here. episode. How can they always be here? <laughs> All right, shut up.